um, I've chosen to preach on a parable this morning. I love the parables, the narratives, the, the stories that Jesus tells. So our scripture this morning is from Matthew 20, verses 1 through 16, and I understand it's on the, the screen as well. And so um, let's begin with that. That is not the right scripture. Okay. Those are the slides you have. I don't blame you. I will grab a Bible and read that instead. And actually, doing it this way, and if you could then get my sermon slides ready to go, so I'll go into that after I read, um, allows me to start with Matthew 19, verse 30, which is an important frame to this whole uh, parable. Because there it says, Jesus is speaking to his disciples after an encounter with someone, many who are first will be last, <clears throat> and many who are last will be first. And then he goes into a story. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Uh, because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. So the workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble and complain against the landowner. Those who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? And then Jesus ends with that same line, so the last will be first and the first 
will be last. This is the word of the Lord. Now, can I have my sermon slides, please? Oh, okay, okay. All right. Well, some things in life just aren't fair, are they? (laughs) That was an appropriate line. Uh, When you work so hard and set things up and then they don't work. But I give you, for example, lineups. Maybe Costco lineups on a long weekend are your downfall. One of the ones that works for me as an example is crossing the border, border crossings. And having lived in Ontario for many years, when you cross the border one way or the other, you end up going over a a huge bridge. And as you're coming down the height of the bridge, you start kind of slowing down because what you're doing is scoping it out, right? So there's the border crossings. You're trying to count how many gates are open, which, which line looks the longest, which should I go over to this side or to this side? Where am I going to get the best route to get across the border in the least amount of time possible? And then finally, you have to make a decision. So you're like, okay, this one. And here's what you do, right? You scope out. So here's a blue Pacifica over here and a white Impala over here. And I've picked a winner. You watch. I've picked a winner. And then pretty soon, you realize that you have picked a loser. You have picked a loser line. I mean, the people beside you are three ahead already. Other people seem to have just come down and gone through. And then to add insult to injury, they open up two new wickets way over on the right side that you can't get to. And people who are just coming down the bridge sail right up to the gate and go across. I mean, it's not fair. Doesn't this parable of Jesus seem something like that? It's not fair. And the way the landowner acts in this story is just crazy. Not to mention that it's a recipe for economic disaster. I mean, what would happen to character development and people working for what they need and even the whole system of capitalism if if everyone acted like the landowner in this story? We can all relate to the feeling of those who had signed on first. So let's look at this parable and unpack it. It says, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. And then Jesus starts, for the kingdom of heaven is like. This is a kind of story called a parable. And the word parable is from two different parts, para, which means alongside, and bola, which is a verb, which means to throw. So a parable is something that is thrown alongside. And so whenever you see Jesus telling a parable, he's often been asked a question or a situation has come to him, and rather than giving a straight answer, he throws a story alongside, and you have to work your way through that story to figure out what the answer is. And the answer is going to be something about the kingdom of God. 
This is a story about how things work in the kingdom of God, the way that God wants things to be. So we have Act 1, Scene 1, a landowner who goes out, the um, people are there, and it says he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them out into his vineyard. So picture here a farming society. It's not so hard uh, when you get out a little bit more into Langley or Abbotsford and you see fields. That's what this is like. And the sun has been beating down. We can relate to that too. And the fruit has been growing, and it's now ripe to be picked. And in fact, it has to be picked now. Um, and so what happens in a society like this is that there are workers who want to work, and they will show up maybe outside the town or in the village square uh, at whatever time they're ready, and landowners come and pick them. You, 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 you can go work in my field. And so who is there at this time in the morning, at 6 a.m.? Well, it's the eager workers, right? The hard-working and determined ones. The early bird gets the worm, after all. We're getting there. <laughs> and there's a sense in which they... It's not moving. Oh, yes, see, there was Costco. Oh, it doesn't want to respond. There, there's the border crossing, and guess what? With the border crossing, sorry, it's not fair. Do I have to click it three times to make it work? Yes, okay. <laughs> so there was the introduction. Yes, okay. Um, so who's there? The, the people who are, we're strong, we're experienced, everyone wants us, they know we work hard, and if you want us, this is what we demand from you. So the story gives, implies that they bargain. Maybe they send uh, a leader forward to bargain with the landowner about this is what we want to get paid, because it says he agreed to pay them a denarius for their day's work. So think about this group as they're going out, early in the morning, what, how are they feeling? They're, they're happy. They're satisfied. They, they bargained, and they got what they wanted. They're going out to work. They know it's going to be hard and long and hot, but hey, they know what they're making for the day. They know what they're worth, and fair is fair. Well, then the landowner goes out again and sees more people, and Notice that this time there's no discussion of wage. It's not this sense that they bargained. He says to this group, I will pay you what is right. And they agree to live by the landowner's word. Okay, they, they trust him. They know they're not worth what those earlier people got. And they're willing to rely on the landowner's judgment. And this scene repeats itself at the third hour, the sixth hour, the ninth hour. There's still people hanging around. And then scene, nope, wrong one, scene three. So finally he goes out in the 11th hour also, which is five in the afternoon, just before closing. Now I ask you, what kind of people are hanging out in the village square wanting to be hired at five o'clock in the afternoon? Where are all the good workers? Well, they've all been taken, right? and they're gone. So who's sitting there in the village square? The ones who, as they used to say, have an L in the middle of their forehead. 
they're leftover. They're losers. Nobody wants them. They may as well be wearing a sign, I'm no good, nobody wants me, because they're still there at the end of the day, and nobody has picked them. And so he does pick them. He picks them as well. And off they go to work in the vineyard also. And then we get Act 2 in this story. Come on, Act 2. Can you switch it for me? Yes, thank you. Um, so now it is evening, and the workers are finished. I've, I've done this. Probably some of you have too. I've done, like, strawberry picking as a teenager. And at the end of the day, you come back in, and... Uh, in those days, you had a little card, and it got clicked every time you brought in a crate or whatever, and you get paid according to how much was on your card. But in this case, the, it's, the payment is a little different. But the landowner does an unusual thing. He calls them up in reverse order. Now, that's not normal, right? And, in fact, a way to understand a parable is to look at the unusual details in it. They're the ones that give you clues to how to understand what's going on here. So he calls them up in reverse order. That doesn't make any sense either. But then you think, oh, maybe it's because he wants to make an example of those leftovers who only worked an hour. So he's going he's gonna to ball them out not at the end of the line when everyone else is gone, but he's going to shame them in front of everyone else. That's probably what he's doing. Next slide. So then, those who worked last come up first. And he tells them to stretch out their hand, and what does he put in it? A whole denarius, a whole day's wage. Can you believe it? A, a full day's wage? I imagine them coming up one at a time. The first one, he looks at it. He looks up at the master. The master nods. His friend comes up and gets one. They look at each other. They look at the master. He, he smiles and nods. They begin to understand that this is for real, and they begin hooping and hollering and running home filled with joy because look at what the landowner has given them. And every subsequent group comes up and they all get a denarius and they are all overjoyed. They got more than they had ever hoped for or expected. Certainly more than they were worth if it depended on those others. So there is joy in the payment line of the master that day. Joy in the village. Until, next slide, the first group comes forward to receive their payment last. What happens then? So when those who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. They expected to receive more. Why? Because... Um, the landowner had promised them more because that's the deal they had struck together? Uh-uh. Remember, these are the ones who wanted a deal, wanted to be sure that they went out at the beginning of the day, that they were going to be paid fair is fair, we're going to be paid what we're worth, and payment depends on worth. And if even the worthless 
hello, are worth a denarius. I must be worth much more than that. And so next slide. When they received it, they begin to grumble. They grumble and complain. Next slide. It's not fair. These latecomers, they came, they only worked one hour. They really did nothing for you, and you've made them equal to us. They're not the same as we are. They're not worth the same. They aren't equal to us. They are less, and we are better. And next slide. The landowner then answers them. Or perhaps, again, it was the leader who had come forward and made the deal. He answers one of them as a representative, and notice his compassionate language. He addresses him as friend. Friend, he says, I am fair to you. You bargained for what you want, and, and you got what you wanted. If you want to rely on a contract of pay, if that's how you want to live, then, then that's what we'll do. What I do with these others has nothing to do with you. If I choose to be generous to other people, what is that to you? What, what right do you have to be jealous of how I spend my money, my, my grace? If I choose to operate on a principle of grace, not pure economics, that is my business, not yours. And then Jesus ends with, next slide, so the last will be first, and the first will be last, which are the same words that preceded the parable. So how do we understand this story? Next slide. Well, how you respond to this parable, I think, depends on where you see yourself in the line or the lines. Which lineup and where are you in that lineup? Where are you in the first line? Who do you relate to? And where are you then in the second line? Who do you relate to at the front or the back? Where are you actually? And how do you think God sees you? Which group do you relate to? The, the diligent hard workers with plenty eyes who strike deals and rely on their own ingenuity to make it through life. People who get what they deserve and they know very well that they deserve it. Thank you very much people who then know that God must bless them because, hey, they do so much for God. They do so much. They prove it by their hard work in the kingdom. Look at the product. Look at the fruit. Or can you relate to the worthless, undeserving ones who are left over, who know they are messed up, who come expecting very little, if not a scolding or nothing, and so are surprised by grace, by the generosity of a boss, a God who is not simply fair, but generous, way beyond fairness. You know, maybe you grew up in a family where you were a good boy or girl if you lived by all the rules and did everything on time as was needed. You got praise and affection, but if you misbehaved, you were a bad boy or a bad girl, and it was pretty obvious. Well, I was often a bad girl at home, which is a bit surprising because my household, I had three brothers at the time, but I, I was the one who acted out. But I learned at school 
that you could get lots of praise and affection and approval by doing well, by getting the answers right, by being smart. And I have to say I learned that at church too, that there were certain clear ways that you could win approval and be thought a model Christian. And I remember clearly the time, I was already in my 30s, when that changed for me. When I was at a, a conference, can we have the next slide, and a speaker said, God can't love you any more than he already does. And God can't love you any less than he already does. And I had this thing <laughs> rise up in me. I thought, what? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, God can love me more. If I do more and better and stupendous things for God, then he's going to love me more. And then the speaker repeated it. Listen to me. God can't love you any more than he already does. And God can't love you any less than he already does. And suddenly, I saw, I saw that I was one of those diligent, flinty-eyed types who strive bargains, who strike bargains with God and know that they get what they deserve, thank you very much. One of the ones who think they're worthy, who live by works, by doing and earning. I needed to repent. I needed to see myself at a different place in each line, to know that I am instead in the group of those who know that whatever we do ourselves, that's not what gets us grace. It can't cover our sin. It cannot save us. For that, we need Jesus. For that, we need grace, pure and simple, much more than we could ever work for, and so much more than we deserve. You see, the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of earth. The kingdom of heaven relies on economies of grace, you could say, not fairness. And guess what? Next slide. Grace is not fair, and that is our good news. Grace is not fair. All those who are in the kingdom of God get not what they deserve, but what the generous owner chooses to give. I ask you, which ones do you think are rejoicing at the end of the day? Which ones are holding parties for friends and family that night? Whose mouths are filled with laughter? It's the undeserving ones and the ones who know they are undeserving. They are the ones who live in joy. And if God so loves us by grace, so sees us through grace and relates to us always through the lens of grace, shouldn't we likewise treat each other, extend grace to each other, be hospitable to each other? And so I think this parable asks us to look at ourselves and question, do we live out of that joy? Do we see ourselves as those who, who are living by grace that God generously gives to us? 
And do we see others through the lens of their works or through a lens of grace? Because sisters and brothers, the good news of the gospel is that grace is not fair. And for that, we give thanks and live in joy. And we also live to follow God's example. And if we could have the next slide, I've also pasted in some scripture that we could say responsibly from Ephesians 5. So if you could read the bolded part. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. As a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let me lead you in a prayer of response. God, we stand amazed by your grace. And when we look at perhaps how we present ourselves in church, we might try to present our best side. But you know our hearts as well. And as we have already confessed and sung and prayed, you know that we are broken and that we cannot measure up to your perfect law. And yet, and yet, God, you pour out your grace on us. Forgive us for ever thinking that we work to receive it, that we have your favor because we are exemplars of living in your kingdom. And teach us to have the kind of joy of those who know that whatever we receive from you is not deserved, but is by grace, through the blood of Jesus, and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray and offer ourselves back to your service. And all God's people say, Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.